LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning, coming up at six, in conversation. This week I'm joined by the crime writer Ruth Rendell, who tells us all about her new book, and actor Alan Cumming, who talks about his new film, any day now. But first, my best bits from the week, and last week was a quiet bank holiday weekend. They were so desperate to find something to put on the front of the Sunday papers that they put Cheryl Cole and her uh, her chavy tattoo. I mean, <laughs> which, which prompted Duncan to ask the question, you know, why would you ever want this done? She's had it done on a bum. OK, which gives you a rough idea where, where we're coming from here. It doesn't get any worse, I'm afraid. And uh, they say it's caused a shock. I mean, it shows how bored she is, because this is a huge tattoo. This would have taken quite a number of sittings. You don't get this done in one sitting. You first of all have it inked in, and then you have the colour put on, and then and that now you can see it's almost healed, so she must have had this done ages ago. Ages ago. And so they say, has she gone too far? Well, she's a bit trash. She's trailer trash. I mean, who else in living memory gets their bum tattooed, for God's sake? I mean, what sort of people is she sleeping with? Because that's the only person who's ever going to see it, isn't it? I'm assuming. And they say it, it's a work of art. If, if it was a work of art, do you have it on your wall, not on your bum? I mean, unfortunately, she's so bored. She doesn't have a job. She hasn't got any work. She's got a few little modelling things. But, I mean, that's just, you know, who cares? Nobody's bothered about things like that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if I was, if I was L'Oreal, I'd be going, I don't think we want that kind of image for our, our cosmetics. We don't want to appeal to that sort of person. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit trash. But there again... She is a bit trash. She's trailer trash. She likes those sort of things. I always think if you... I don't mind somebody having, having tattoos and inkings and stuff like that done. But when it's a woman and you've got your whole bum tattooed... <laughs> God, how cheap do you want to be, dear? I certainly don't believe fair, uh, fairy, Fergie and uh, freeloading Andy will. Because I can't remember why they split up. I, I mean, I really can't remember. It seems such a long time ago that I covered the wedding for LBC. Um, and I can't remember... Why? Because she'd been with somebody for years. It was, you know, Diana, at least, was sort of, you know, Virgo intactor, as far as we know. And, uh, and then you get Sarah Ferguson, who'd been around the block about three or four times. Sasha says, Celebrity Big Brother, what a bunch. Sophie Anderton, a prize so-and-so. Oh, she's vile. I'd forgotten how, how, how deluded this poor old has-been is. She was in the jungle celeb thing a few years ago, having apparently detoxed. Now she looks over-botoxed, over-opinionated and talentless. Uh, and McGiffin used to have a reputation for flashing after a few drinks, so there is the possibility she could end up doing a Denise Welsh. Uh, yes, I mean, she's drinking way too much, but that's the trouble. When you're bored, when you're bored in there then you, and, and they give you drink, then you're going to, you're going to react to it, aren't you, really? Uh, it's a bit of a shame, really. Uh, somebody says Ron was also given a formal warning for asking the woman from Dublin Housewives if she had a bomb in there when she had a scarf over her head. Implying that women who wear headscarves are bomb people. He's so blatantly racist, he can't help himself. I think that's why he said he wants out. He said it's not for him at all. And I'm assuming he's only gone in there because he wants the money. That's what Abs Love or Abs Bream has done. He, he, he wants the money. But he's so stupid. Terrible. Um, big Brother Ron's Burka Bomb Joke Storm. Front of the Daily Star. New racism rap for XTV footy pundit. But that's what they, they picked him for. They picked him knowing he would say stupid things. He can't help himself. It's not his fault, and that's just what he is. He's a, he's a dinosaur. He says these kind of things because that's the way he sees it. I noticed, have you noticed Jim Davidson's booked in a tour? Jim Davidson's on tour saying thank you to everybody for supporting me, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so that's, that was in. I cut that out, actually, in the paper just to, 
just to sort of see. And the One Direction fans have threatened to butcher Harry Styles' new girlfriend in a torrent of online bile. I mean, it's, it's, this, it's, it's almost got beyond a joke, hasn't it? These are One Direction fans. No, they're not. You don't... You know, they, they say, we'll kill Harry's secret girl. Don't be so stupid. Of course you won't. You get a good slap round the back of his silly little legs and your mummy will send you to bed early. Don't be so stupid. Once they find them, you'll, you'll probably discover it's some over-bloated 18-year-old who, who's never had a boyfriend and's madly in love with Harry because I want to go out with Harry. And you think, listen, they're all going out with other people. All, I, th- I don't think there's one of them doesn't have a girlfriend. Although I reckon one in four is. And um, so, so they've all got girlfriends. And do they, they get the same torrent of abuse? Apparently. Apparently. Steve the cabbie says maybe the tattoo's designed to hide Im- imperfections. It's huge, this tattoo. This isn't just a little rose. I mean, even I'm absolutely amazed at how, how big it is. And she's only a little tiny thing. She's like about, about the size of a Barbie doll, I'm afraid. So I don't know why she's had it done. But as I said before, this isn't a recent tattoo. This has been done. It, this, this would have taken a few weeks. It's so complicated. Far too complicated. So uh, why she's had it done, I've got no idea. Bored, I suppose. Uh, poor old Jonathan Levi. He can't sleep at all. He says, I might get up early and drive to Bista Village to buy some new clothes. It's only 16 minutes to five. I mean, there's a limit to what time the shop's open. That's one of those... Um, Bista Village is a... Um, a discount outlet store, isn't it? Doesn't it have a name for those sort of places? It's really sometimes you wonder if you're facing the right way in the studio. You sort of sit here and he looks at you kind of vacantly. But uh, no, I'm not talking to you. He said he comes from Cambridge. I said you come from Cambridge. I live in Dollis Hill. I thought delusional as well. But uh, yes, I think it's it's a it's a shopping outlet. No, Bister is is that's it. Bi. He spells it like Bisto, bless his heart, honestly. So lovely working with the educated. And um, it's, uh, it's yeah, well, no, it wasn't really close at all. So Bisto Village, they've got, all, they've got them all over the place in London. And uh, what it is, it's from 9am to 9pm. Now, whether or not it's 9pm this morning because it's bank holiday, I don't know. But they do everything. They do everything. They, they sort of do all this. Uh, it's a designer outlet says Jonathan. Very good. A designer outlet mall. mall. They've got them in America, where you go there. We went to one outside Vegas, and that was quite good as well. But, and I've heard of... That's on the way to Oxford, isn't it? Now he's driving. There's no stopping him. He's out there. Driving out there on the motorways. Pick up some new threads. <laughs> Sounds lovely, actually. You are up early, though. I mean, listen, even by anybody's standards, if this place doesn't open till nine o'clock this morning, you've got to kill four hours... Even if you drive very, very slowly, you're going to be there by 5.30. And it's not going to be open. So you can't, uh, you can't, um, can't do anything, can you? You can have breakfast en route. That'd be quite nice. Breakfast en route. But even so, you're not going to leave till 8 or 8.30, are you? Just to make sure. <laughs> There's nothing worse than waking up too early. I feel immensely sorry for people who can't. And loads of us can't sleep. Cannot sleep at all, I'm afraid. Uh, somebody says you'll have to get Carol McGiffin on in conversation when she comes out of the house. Well, I don't know why, really. She's gone in. This is what we can't work out. Oh, by the way, when, when Philip Schofield, and please God, it can't happen too quickly, and Holly Willoughby get back onto this morning, they're putting some new strands in. There's one with Louis Spence and his dad. A little bit too camp, I'm afraid, for me. Uh, and they've got Peter Andre doing a health thing for a week with doctors. I mean, Peter Andre. I mean, has anybody seen this? That programme. Is that is that airing yet, or have we not had it? We don't know, because it's sunk without trace. A bit like Joey Essex. 
He's kind of sunk without trace. He's disappeared from the newspapers. You can't find anything about him. You get the Fahir sisters prancing around in Marbella or something like that because they're so committed to their shop, because they are just shop girls. In fact, they're not even shop girls, are they? Uh, imagine when poor old Cheryl's bottom begins to sag and those flowers look like they're wilting. I know. I do think... I do honestly think that all these people have tattoos, and you see them up their necks and everything else. It, it looks, perhaps they think they evaporate when you get to, like, 30, and they disappear and fade into your skin. No, they just look really awful. As your skin becomes old, they bleed into it. And, you, and it's, and it's going to look so awful. But people go, ooh, I think I'll have tattoos. And then they have more tattoos. And then you think, once your skin starts sagging, you're going to look so trailer trash. So there's nothing classy about it. You've only got to look at poor old Vicky Beckham's foot. I want to see somebody the other day said something really cruel. Really cruel. They said, she's so thin. When David Beckham makes love to her, it must be like making love to a xylophone. And I thought, that was so cruel. And yet at the same time, so funny. Notting Hill Carnival Day. I only say that because at the back of our building, which we used to have years ago, uh, they used to put some of the floats for Notting Hill Carnival because they all come in from different areas. You can't have them all coming in from the same area, but they were days. So we had them behind our building. And I can only tell you that they've got no idea what a rubbish bin is. Seriously. They would have these lorries and they put a steel band on it. And then there'd be another lorry with a steel band. In fact, mainly it was... I think we got all the steel bands, which I quite like. I, lo- I love a good steel band, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy with things like that. It's just that the amount of vodka bottles that were left in the road, little bottles which they bought in little off-licences, so quite clearly they're all off their trolleys where they're playing... I love a steel band. I really like it a lot. But I just thought that they all had to be drunk. But then the amount of arrests yesterday, I'm pretty certain that when... Zora told me earlier on, she said, what, 93 or something, 93 arrests, on Children's Day. That was, that's for the Children's Carnival. 93 adults were arrested, mainly for assault, drugs. And you think, dear God, and today's apparently the bigger day. The police will be there going, oh, here we go again. Because we do put up with the, the people of Notting Hill, because it turns out that the majority of people who do the Notting Hill Carnival don't even live in Notting Hill. They seem to come from all over the place to celebrate Carnival. And I think it was Ken Livingstone some years ago, they were thinking of shoving it in a park out of town. Because the streets of Notting Hill are just not made for it. And you speak to people who live in some of the areas that the Carnival passes, they've got people urinating in their gardens. Do you remember the story last year? We had a woman who phoned LBC, she opened her front door to find three people urinating against her at the side of her house. They're that disgusting. Terrible. Patricia says, don't diss Fergie. She's my favourite royal. Oh, she's awful. She's so awful. She's not genuine. She hasn't worked hard in America to pay off all her debts at all. She's just taken all these things from Weight Watchers and she's flogged herself down the river. They, they said one of the reasons she, she gets into debt is she's generous to friends. <laughs> she certainly isn't. She certainly isn't. She sponges. She sponges off people. That's what she does. She takes advantage of people to get freebies. Because you know we had the exclusive story that a friend of mine, who is very rich, went out to a beautiful spa in Thailand and had booked him for treatments the following morning. You have to book him for treatments. Only to discover that Sarah Ferguson was on a freebie there because she knows the owner. And she'd just booked herself straight in. She'd gone straight in to have the treatment. So this friend of mine went, but I'm, I was booked in there. Well, Sarah Ferguson's in at the moment. And you think, she thinks she's, she's some sort of landed gentry. Whereas, in fact, her father was an old man who visited brothels. 
So we all know about old Major Ron, don't we? Everybody, he's, he's very well documented. And, uh, of course, she was famous for the toe-sucking incident with, I believe, Johnny Bryant. Oh, God, she's, she comes with baggage and history, I'm afraid. So uh, definitely not our favourite royal, not liked by anybody. Apart from maybe Prince Andrew, who has to put up with her. And so she lives, I think she's got a house on the estate or something. They've sort of shoved her. It's because she can't make her ends meet. She can't, you know, any other royal can make ends meet. Except Sarah Ferguson. And those two useless daughters. I mean, they re- it, it really is a case of Cinderella, isn't it? Diana would be Cinderella. You know, Sarah Ferguson and the two ugly daughters would be... It, it is part of the story, I'm afraid. I'm not convinced we'll see a full-blown reunion between Fergie and Prince Andrew. I hope not, at least. Let's take a quick break. When we're back, we're on the hunt for old Nessie. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Earlier this week, one celebrity chef put his foot in it. Jamie Oliver, all over the papers today. What was he saying? Was he saying something along the lines of people can afford to eat, but they they would rather have a flat screen television? Poor people, people who smoke and drink uh, and live on council estates, they're the sort of people who've actually got flat screen televisions. I don't know. I have got a flat screen television. I've just read it, actually. But it's not not anything big, flashy or anything like that. But what these people do is they go out and they eat fast food. Whereas, as Duncan was pointing out, it is cheaper to go and buy a pound of potatoes at the greengrocers or in the supermarket and make chips. But these people have an inability to make chips. They can't cook. Duncan cooks. I can't cook, but I can, I can throw something together. I mean, I'm not totally useless in the kitchen. I can, you know, I can, I can make something. Whether it's edible or not, of course, is another matter. And, and so what he was saying was, all these people go out there. It's false economy. If you go out there and you buy a bargain bucket, I don't know how much bargain buckets cost nowadays, about anything from nine ninety nine upwards, well, you can make a meal for six people for that sort of money, but the people who eat it are, are that dim that they've got no idea. They don't realise you can go and buy, you know, two big bags of potatoes for a pound. You, you don't think fish and chip shops go and buy ready-made chips, do you? No, of course they don't. The only place you buy ready-made chips are kebab shops because they're making so much money on that piece of turgid meat that's hanging on the rack going round at very slow speed and uh, guaranteed to give you some sort of illness, that they, 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 they can't be bothered to start chipping potatoes. You go to a fish and chip shop, they chip the potatoes. They buy a big sack, of they're called chipping potatoes, and they put them in a machine and then they sort of cut them up. Well, you can do that at home. You can go and buy some oil, pour it into a saucepan and make chips yourself. Just make sure that the, uh, the potatoes are dry before you put them in there. Otherwise, you get a lot of, lot of spitting. I do love the, the story of David Elder. David Elder is the latest loony to hit the papers today. And uh, he, he comes from East Kilbride, so he's a jock. And uh, he reckons he's photographed the Loch Ness Monster. Of course, he's barking mad. He hasn't photographed the Loch Ness Monster at all. This poor soul is so deluded. You know, you see something moving across the lock. I mean, this thing must be about a thousand years old by now. And apparently there's only one of them, so it can't even reproduce. And the reason that they keep this myth, and it is a myth going in Loch Ness is because it's so deep and so dark and there's no fish in there. So, in other words, I mean, this thing... And it only comes up for air about every five years. So it's fantastic, isn't it? Every five years, some barking mad drunks... I have a wee dram here. I think I've seen Nessie. 
And then they take a picture of some sort of some, something like an otter moving across the lock. You know, you'd think in this day and age when we've every single phone has got a digital camera on it. I mean, I'm, I can film any part of, of, of any, well, anything. I can film anything in HD. And yet every picture you ever see of Loch Ness, it's all a bit grainy, isn't it? It's like all the pictures you ever see of UFOs. It's never clear, because if it was clear, you could see the piece of string it's hanging from when they've hung it from a lamppost, you know. Another one who's had a, a couple of sherbets. So, could this be Nessie? Well, good old, uh, good old Dave thinks it is. It's a 15-foot black shape. Could be his wife. Could be the wife swimming across the lock in one of those suits. I don't know. But it certainly isn't Nessie. It does not exist it never existed. It was just a little tale to keep an industry going. You know, there is a little Japanese man who lives by the side of the lock. And he's been there for years, hoping to see Nessie. He hasn't seen it. How come Dave got the picture? What's the little Japanese bloke did? Perhaps he's having some sushi out the back and he missed it. Imagine, all those years and then whoosh, it's gone and you've missed it. Another opportunity. So he says, it's something I can't explain. I can, mate. You had a drink and you took a picture of nothing. OK, end of story. God, blimey, honestly. We do worry about these sort of things. Dawn has been on tour with Alistair Griffin for the past week. Not really on tour. She, that's the guy that uh, she's travelled up to Yorkshire many times to see over the past nine years. It's called stalking, I think, in any other book. And uh, she said, as well as seeing him in London, I've seen him 70 times now. I think that's major stalking, isn't it? 70 times? Good grief. She said... Um, I've now seen him on tour between the 15th and the 22nd of August in London, Glasgow, York and Birmingham, in that order. Left home for Glasgow on the 16th, finally arrived home last Friday, 23rd, the day after the Birmingham gig. Tour with a difference. Alistair was doing it in support of the Trussell Trust Food Bank Network, giving all his profits from the tour to the charity. And he asked everybody going to the gigs to bring something from the kitchen. So I've turned up with tins of stuff. And all the fans got into the spirit and took... So that's quite a good idea. I like that. And uh, she's watching Celebrity Big Brother. Great sing, Carol McGiffin. She says, I agree with you, there aren't that many actual celebrities on there, but some interesting characters. So I'm still enjoying it. Sorry to see that Carol has quit Loose Women, because she was the main reason I used to watch it. Well, I mean, I think they're going to have some big changes down there. I predicted that even before she'd announced that she was going, and I had no idea that she was going to leave. I think very unwise to leave a programme. But there again, people have done that from soaps, haven't they, before? And uh, she says, uh, we're all intrigued as to what the disaster was you had with your ribs. Uh, no, they weren't from Cos. These were Marks and Spencer's ribs. The pandas are rented. 600,000 a year, says Brenda. Yes, it's, it's odd, isn't it? So we rent pandas. You know, why don't we just buy a pair? They've got loads. I wouldn't mind. There is not a panda shortage in this world. We've got loads and loads of pandas over in China. I've seen the footage. Of the, they did a whole programme on how many they've got. In fact, they're so successful at breeding. It was like the snow leopards. I told you before, there used to be an advert on the television. You can save the snow leopard. And they had this footage of the rare snow leopard. Well, I've cuddled snow leopards. I've been down to the, uh, to the animal trust, the cat trust, and, um, and I've cuddled snow leopards. I've played with snow leopards. You've not seen it? Cuddling snow leopards. Me, cuddling snow leopards. Go to YouTube and put in... Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's, on, it's on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube. You put down Steve Allen, LBC snow leopard... And you get me cuddling a snow leopard. Producer's such a disbeliever, honestly. You have, to, you have to prove these things all the time. You sort of say something to him and you say, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. You get, no, you're not. And I go, absolutely, I am. Really, I promise you. And uh, wait a minute. Oh, good God, there's so many things. Um, God, I didn't realise there were so many things. Uh, perhaps it's the... Uh, it's definitely not gone. It definitely hasn't gone. Oh, it's amazing how many videos there are on there. So many videos for you to doubt. There it is. There you go. Look, that's me. Oreo. 
who was a snow leopard. Look, you wait for this. This is so... Look, this is my snow leopard. And me, oh, this is my snow leopard and me. Impressed now, aren't you? I was only taken about a year ago. <laughs> look at that, isn't it good? Now, the tr- I have to tell you that it has a sad story that this snow leopard was brain damaged. And it died, not after I held it, but uh, a little while later. But, I mean, isn't it? It's, it was like cuddling an absolute giant ball of fluff. When you think when they get a bit older, they could have taken your head off, you know. <laughs> Brave Steve Allen again, as usual. Steve Allen, you know, otherwise known as the Indiana Jones of LBC. Not. And uh, it's the Cat Survival Trust. It was so, I mean, it was just, you know, when you've done something like that, it's like people swimming with dolphins, you know, that's the kind of thing. I, I, the swimming with uh, with crocodiles isn't quite the same. Yeah, all right, I don't think we'll bother going through any more, shall we? now? OK, just leave it as it is. Now you've discovered all these... Oh, God, you're going to see a much younger Steve Allen now. If you start going through these YouTube videos, I promise you, you get what you deserve. This was a... Uh, oh, he's now discovered all the Fives companies. Yes, <laughs> yeah, all right. I don't think we need to actually sort of, you know, look at Steve Allen when he had hair, which, of course, is actually terribly funny. Look at this. That's that's yeah. The suit's very. I've still got the suit. The fact I can't get it past my kneecaps now is neither here nor there. It's very. A lot of people like that suit. This this was my my cake, and then Lionel Blair knocked it over, and it was being judged for a, for a competition. I was I was quite hurt by this actually. I don't know why we were building a cake. There must have been some reason why on that particular day. This was sort of prior to all the all the cake baking. And this cake I'd I made. And to be honest with you, I think somebody had helped me with it. Lionel then moved it. Look at. I was quite good looking, actually. I thought so. I think so. And then Lionel completely demolishes my cake. And then he says, I'm so sorry. God, I was good looking. Anyway. (laughs) But the suit was very odd. The suit was... We bought it in Oxford Street in a shop that catered for... And I will tell you this for a fact. All the fashionable black guys were buying from this shop because every black guest we had on the show went... Smart suit, smart suit. And I, so, so I've, I've kept it because I think it's a smart suit. It's a smart suit. Uh, do, we, do we do affection? Do we do public affection? There's a piece in the, the paper today when, you know, you're out with somebody. And I saw it the other day. I was a couple walking towards me. And the man all of a sudden grabbed her and started kissing her. And I felt a bit embarrassed. This was after the pictures of Simon Cowell the other day. And it, 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 it's very not. I don't mind... Seeing, seeing somebody holding hands. I don't want to say them start snogging in front of you. And so they've got pictures of all sorts of people, Camilla Parker Bowles and the Queen, where, you know, the, you have to show affection to the Queen. I'd want to kiss the Queen. I think she's great. I absolutely love her. Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon, and they're sort of snuggling up to each other. Most people just look deeply embarrassed. They really do. They've got, they've got all sorts of strange people here. Shane Warne, Elizabeth Hurley. I think, I think she's showing him a bit more affection than he's showing her. Uh, the reason I like Deal or No Deal, Steve, is because it shows the British public what they are. Greedy. Who wouldn't take ten grand? Um, well, everybody would take ten grand, but you see, the lure is on Deal or No Deal. £10,000 or the chance of £250,000 in your box. And if you get the £250,000, well, then you're made, aren't you? I mean, I'd, to be honest with you, I'd be happy with anything. Where else could you earn that kind of money for a, a matter of an hour's work or a couple of hours' work? And in fact, it's it's just not even it's not even worth arguing about. If somebody if somebody comes up to you and says, "I'd like to sort of you know pay for your time and give you a couple of thousand pounds," you go, "Yes, thank you, of course, yes, thank you." But it doesn't happen. So on this program, it is uh, it's just greed. Joanna says, uh, "Steve, Oreo and you, so gorgeous, just lovely." I know. 
Actually, when we went out there, this the uh, the Cat Survival Trust is an amazing place. He keeps a lot of animals for filming, but he breeds them, and he's very, very successful. But uh, some of them are wild animals. And because it's not a zoo, it's a survival trust. He's very successful. He's very, very successful. I don't know what makes him so successful, but he's brilliant. And he, ha- he had a cage with a, pl- a puma in it, a black puma. And you, you can go up to the bars. That there's no. It's not like in a zoo. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard a puma roar. Dear God in heaven, it's frightening. It is absolutely frightening. It's like if you walk through Regent's Park in the morning, you can hear the lions calling. Their call carries for miles. And I think in the, uh, in the savannah, it can carry like 20, 30 miles. So as you're walking around Regent's Park, no matter where you are, you can hear the lions from, from London Zoo. And when this panther roared, I thought... You wouldn't stand a cat in hell's chance with this thing. You really wouldn't if you were out in the wild. But it's a fantastic place and they do so much good work and they've got a shop there and, and everything else. It's, uh, it's good. I really recommend taking a look at it, even if you're not a massive big cat fan. Don't forget, in half an hour, you'll hear from Ruth Rendell and Alan Cumming as they join me for In Conversation. But now, the latest news at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen this Sunday morning. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with the crime writer Ruth Rendell, who talks about her seat in the House of Lords, and actor Alan Cumming, who tells us what he loves about acting. But for now, we'll carry on with my best bits from the week. And this week, I received an alarming text. Apparently, I shall never look at my feet again says Randolph. On yesterday's Big Brother, two housemates had failed to complete a task and as a forfeit, Ron Atkinson asked for a foot massage. Well, Steve, when the camera focused on his feet, that was it. His feet turned my stomach. These bunions were awful. And he explained to his fellow foot masseuses the reason they were so bad was due to ill-fitting football boots. Oh, no. Nothing worse than bad feet, is there? You can't do anything about it. Well, you can do things about it. I mean, I, I spent ages massaging my feet and looking after my feet. But uh, I noticed on, on Big Brother, it took a turn for the worst the other day, when apparently Big Brother's Sophie Anderton, a rather disgusting, absolutely awful, absolutely awful, and Mario Falcone apparently was at the centre after he apparently whacked her. Well, uh, brilliant. I mean, brilliant. I didn't see it. He said it was just a bit of bit of fun. But she's she's so disgusting. I didn't. I've never seen anybody so. Di- I've never actually seen her on a television program apart from this feeble excuse of a of a woman. And uh, she turned up on this thing. The other one who's even more disgusting is that Lauren Harris. If anybody ever had a, an illness that uh, that needed treating, that would be it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a fraud at an early age, and now a failure, which is awful. Bad news today, I'm afraid, is that One Direction could be given a TV show. They think that their future career is on the small screen. Sure as hell ain't on the big screen, let me tell you, as people who've seen the film. And uh, all the fans, a lot of them have said the same thing. They've now felt that the group are just capitalising on their fame by bringing out a perfume. And uh, some of the fans have said here... Uh, is it just me that finds the One Direction perfume cringy? Well, they've got nothing to do with this kind of stuff. What they're doing is they're milking what can be a very short career. 
And they'll be like the Spice Girls. They'll they'll split up, they'll sit there, and then they won't know what on earth to do. Harry will troll about all over the place with his, uh, with his friends in show business, but won't actually have a proper job. I don't think we want to see them on the small screen. We've seen them on the screen, and that's quite enough. But the perfume, it's just, it's just trying to make as much money as possible. It's like a football club, isn't it? It's like, uh, you know, that's the, that's the kind of thing people do in football clubs. They, they change all the, the shirts every so often because they know that the fans are going to buy it. Uh, Phil says, with the badger cull going on, will there be a surplus of shaving brushes, brushes in the shops? Yes, because badgers make shaving brushes. That's what they say. I've never had a shaving brush, so it doesn't, uh, doesn't make any, any difference. Uh, interesting uh, that John Tarode is yet to defend or speak up for Greg Wallace. Or perhaps he knows what he's like. The trouble is, he's a former greengrocer. He's a thug. His mother, very sweet though she is, obviously can't see what what we can see. I suppose the next thing you can have is people complaining about the boozing in Coronation Street. Oh, wait a minute. People are complaining about the boozing in Coronation Street. Apparently, they say it encourages teenage binge drinkers. Does it really? Does it really? Does it really encu- if it encourages people to binge drink? Does it encourage people to uh, to go and eat bad food at Roy and Haley's Cafe? You know, does it encourage people to eat sweeties by going along to Rita's cabin? Does it encourage people to do all sorts of things? Does it encourage people to behave badly and have uh, and have sex with people and then have somebody else's child? No, of course it doesn't. Only the terminally weak and stupid would fall for the idea that soaps are blamed for booze binge teens. I tell you who's blamed for booze binge teens. All the little shops that sell cheap booze and the supermarkets. Go around the supermarket and uh, they go, ten cans, fiver. You know, 20 cans, six quid, or whatever it happens to be. I went to a, a place, I went to Costco, and they had some Budweiser. And it was cheaper to buy, they had sort of a, a special pack, which was £17.80, or whatever it was, for 24. But if you worked out the other ones, you got 30, and it was cheaper. It was about £2 cheaper, and I thought, this goes down to people thinking, oh, that's a bargain in the supermarket. What was it we found the other day? Was it Asda? And they had something, Cathedral Cheese. It was like £3 more expensive for their so-called bargain pack. Absolutely ridiculous. Somebody says, I've just come back from four weeks' holiday in Dallas. What do you want to go to Dallas for? Four weeks' holiday in Dallas? What on earth did you do? What in God's name do you do in Dallas? It's just skyscrapers. And you can go out to visit the set, can't you? Well, not the set, you can visit the farm which is used for the exterior shots of Dallas. The interior shots were all studio. I always used to think, actually, it's so funny, because when you look at the Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, which I did catch a little bit of yesterday, and they're all living in these big, fabulous mansions, including some, some crackpot Englishwoman who had a little dog the other day, her, her, her daughter called Saffron or Sapido, whatever, I don't know, I can't remember, is getting married, and the mother is quite clearly of a, an indeterminate age. She could be anywhere between 70 and death. Uh, but she's trying to pretend she's very young. She carries a little dog around with her. In this blazing hot sunshine, this little dog has got little jumper on. I've never seen such animal cruelty in my entire life. This woman should be taken out and flogged. But there she is, parading her, let's just call her fairly plain daughter, and um, in, her, in her wedding dress. But she's obviously not... But she lives in this huge mansion, you know, with opulence and chandeliers and everything else. And then you go to Dallas, Texas, where J.R. Ewing and the family lived in what can be described as abject poverty. The house was crummy. They all lived in it. Sue Ellen's a G.I. here, another drink. And all this kind of stuff. And they're all living in this set. The Poison Dwarf. She was over there. 
and everybody else. And they're living in this pokey little house where the mum has to do the cooking. And I'm thinking, quite clearly, there's not that much money in oil if they're living in a, a, practically a shack over in Dallas. It was all very out of proportion. Do you know when middle age starts now? 53. 53. And there was a, a piece in one of the, the papers. I can't remember which paper it was. It was telling you of a, of a, a game you can play with yourself to discover if you are middle-aged. I thought, you don't need to tell us we're middle-aged. Most people know when we've actually got to middle age because you, you just feel a little bit older, don't you? But they say it's all sorts of things, like sort of, you know, hair coming out of your ears and that kind of stuff. Uh, the fact you don't know who the, uh, the popsters are in the charts. Oh, look, Katie Hopkins, the woman who says the most stupid things. And uh, she was talking about um, she's, Katie Hopkins here. I mean, honestly, a deluded old bag of the first order. She said, quite by chance, I recently bumped into Jeremy Kyle when we were both waiting for a meeting at ITV. Yes, it was, you know, can you not say any more stupid things? Can you try and be an adult? But uh, unfortunately, poor old Katie Hopkins, better capitalise on the five seconds of fame. It'll, it'll happen and then it'll disappear. Uh, Rob says, I go to Jakarta and Bali for a month twice a year. All right. Yeah, doesn't interest me, actually. I wouldn't want to go. Bali, I'd probably go to. Jakarta, I'm not interested in, but Bali, I'd probably go to. Uh, Do you think Lauren Harris looks like a terror hawk? Um, I think Lauren Harris needs to sort of get the heck out of there and try and get a job. I don't think it it actually has a job as such. And uh, John the cabbie from South London said, quick tip, if you want to slap somebody, as soon as you slap them, shout, mosquito! Because that always works a treat. So perhaps, Mario, if you're listening... You've got that little radio we sent into in the Big Brother house. You can try that with little Sophie Anderton. Because she was, she was so revolting and so disgusting. I was, I was quite horrified, I'm afraid. Uh, Malcolm says, I'm sure I heard something in the news about feeding pigeons being made in a fence. Ask Rupert. Well, it's illegal in Trafalgar Square, but you get the barking mads who go around dropping birdseed all over the place. Uh, Miley Cyrus and celebrities branding this sleazy display desperate. Well, I mean, it's, it's just tacky, isn't it? Uh, Cindy Lauper said it was sad, it was sleazy, it was messed up. Uh, Brooke Shields says our children can't watch that racy display. Well, she's just sad and depressing, isn't she, really? And even uh, Selena Gomez says, amazing, I thought it was awesome. This is the woman who's chasing one of the uh, Union J boys. I fear not. I fear not. Uh, picture here of... Um, this is... What was I looking at here? Oh, they've got this uh, this wildfire going on in California at the moment, haven't they? Which is terrible. And the Environment Minister, Owen Patterson, insisted he was no badger hater because as a boy he kept two as pets. Two as pets? Isn't that illegal? You can't keep badgers as pets. I don't think that's the right sort of thing, is it? Definitely not. And a woman who searches through skips, auction houses and websites for junk has furnished her home for free. Jenny Carruthers, 45, managed to fill her four-bedroom Georgian mansion with freebies after collecting for a decade. I knew, I knew somebody like that. I knew somebody like that who used to go round every time she saw a skip in the road, she'd make me make me pull in and she'd start rooting through. She found all sorts of things, especially outside old pubs. She picked up some doors, which they then adapted to their their flat. It was it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Gareth Bale wasn't the only Welshman with a tough decision. Apparently, Joe Calzaki. Have you ever have you ever watched Joe Calzaki being interviewed? He's not the brightest penny. There's not a lot going on upstairs, but he's split from Christina Rianoff. Apparently, they paired up from the Strictly Come Dancing, and it's due to work commitments, mainly due to the fact that he doesn't have any. I should imagine. I mean, what does he do? The answer is nothing at all. And um, he says, uh, uh, Christina and I have had a, a several terrific years together. I just, I just felt sorry for him that he was a bit thick. Most, most boxers aren't, aren't the brightest pennies in the box. But he said, um, uh, 
uh, he said, I very much regret my occasional use of cocaine. Yes, well, again, not the brightest penny and a bit stupid at the same time, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, I think he's... Uh, now he's single, the ring ace can take some consolation. You can watch more of Cardiff playing. I mean, to be honest with you, that's it, isn't it? Kind of washed up. Once you're a boxer and then you finish boxing, you're finished. Ricky Hatton made a load of money and then attempted to make a comeback. He was just fat and bloated. It's an embarrassment. It's like, um, who's that Chris Eubank? What does Chris Eubank do now? Does he, does he do anything? Does he have a job? He used to go down to Brighton Seafront on his little scooter and scoot up and down, handing out signed photographs. Yes, I know you can't believe it. Uh, one here, Craig, says, uh, you haven't seen nothing if you haven't seen how Miley Cyrus conducts herself in a new music video. Well, having seen our tap... But she got the coverage, you see, that's what it's about in this business. The business is getting coverage. You know, Tony Blair, Middle East envoy, on holiday, £200 million yacht. Quaffing champagne, you know, it's, they all do it. They all do it. Uh, I was very disappointed, says Richard, with Carol McGiffin getting so publicly drunk. She also hid some booze she found, presumably for her own consumption. It smacks of a drink problem to me. Well, she does enjoy her booze. Now, whether, whether or not you get her to admit it's a problem, I don't know. But I think that what Big Brother are doing, if, if somebody is a coke addict, you don't give them cocaine, do you? The idea is you take it away from them. If somebody like Carol McGiffin likes her drink and is, an, is a very bad drunk, then you take it away from her. If you're giving it to her, you are encouraging the bad behaviour. So that's why. Um, whether or not when she comes out, she'll see how badly she... She knows what she's like, though. She's been like it for years. It's nothing new, I'm afraid. There's minutes of fun to be had watching Celebrity Big Brother, and I'm sure Carol will continue to entertain us with her antics. Let's take a quick break. When we're back, rumours abound around Tom Cruise and the Scientologists. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, a certain celebrity's been strutting her stuff around town. So Lady Gaga, ladies and gentlemen, has her fish and chips at the Seashell. Uh, the manager there, uh, whose name is Karina Ivanova, because they're all Polish at the Seashell, uh, says rather naively we get a... Oh, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Blimey. <coughs> Good grief. The dust in this place is... It might be another one. Might be, uh, there you go. <laughs> Got that out of the way. Anyway, she, she says rather naively, we get lots of celebrities. Some never have the paparazzi with them. I guess they're the clever ones. It's the most expensive fish and chip shop I've ever been in, the seashell. It really is terribly expensive. You know, for fish and chips. For fish and chips is average about £12, £13. Which I think is quite a lot of money. And L Lady Gaga ordered haddock, chips and popcorn prawns. Popcorn, I want popcorn prawns. Oh, I've never had those in there. But a friend of mine lives, lives, it's scampi, isn't it? Is that what it is? Basically scampi. So you put it in your mouth, it goes, which could be quite nice. A friend of mine lives around the corner from the seashell. So occasionally, you know, we have sort of fish and chips there. It's quite nice, actually. I like it occasionally. I don't like it all the time, fish and chips, but it's, it's certainly nice as a, as a treat. A treat. And Phil says, if we come from Mars, how do we get to Earth? I have no idea. Listen, you're asking me, you're asking the wrong person, I'm afraid. I have no idea how the universe works. I have no idea how, you know, if people say we're all evolved from apes, how apes haven't carried on evolving and turned into humans before our eyes? Has it just stopped or something like that? It's like that big question, isn't it? How big is the universe? And the answer is, it goes forever. And I've said, what do you mean it goes? Well, it goes where? 
if we, if, if we get in a spaceship and we, we sort of head out, we know, we, we've seen the moon, can you keep going and going and going and going? What's at the end of it? Is there an old man with a white beard going, you've made it, well done. Have a Terry's chocolate orange. You know, you finally got to the end of the universe. I suppose it's like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where they were. It was the restaurant at the end of the universe. And I just want to know how far you could go. I mean, are there other planets out there with people living on them? Probably not. Was there ever a man called Jesus who walked around Nazareth before they wrote a book about him? I don't know. I wasn't there at the time. Garden of Gethsemane must have been a place to go to. Lots of men cruising round at night. One, I mean, I'm surprised the, uh, the police didn't close it down, but they didn't. And so, is, is that a good story? Or is that, or is that fact? Because if, it, if it's fact and some people believe it... There are certain people who, who believe that dinosaurs never existed. If you're, if you're an ultra-Orthodox Jew, you wouldn't believe in dinosaurs. You wouldn't believe, even though you can say... And I can remember Clive Bull talking to a lady uh, who used to phone up on a regular basis. And people used to put her down as barking mad. And, and he'd say to her, what about the Natural History Museum? Made up. It's all made up. And, and you, even if you presented her with all the facts, she wasn't having it at all. Well, I suppose if somebody's, you know, that firm in their belief and they want to share it with somebody, well, then you have to go for it. But I, I do sort of, uh, I do sort of worry about where it all ends. I mean, I'd love to find out what, you know, if there is other things, if you, if you could do that. Perhaps we should have a go with Sally Morgan, you know. She can perhaps contact people on other planets. Not. Uh, the mobile price war now is the network offers free 4G internet. And three have kicked off by, uh, they say they're going to offer the super high-speed internet at no extra cost. This is going to be interesting, isn't it? This is going to be very interesting. Uh, the average first-time buyer in London, we've always joked, haven't we, and laughed about the price of property here and how much more you get for your money outside of town. You get nothing in London. And so they've shown you now what you get for £100,000. And believe you me, it ain't a lot. It really, And you can go to places like Liverpool and probably certain parts of Manchesterford and you can probably get, uh, you know, get something reasonable. Might not be in exactly the right area. We were saying the other day that Liberace's house in, is it Vegas or the LA one? One of them has just sold for half a million pounds. I think it was the Vegas one, which has got a spiral staircase, the ceiling, which looks like a Michelangelo picture, and uh, tiles that he imported and all sorts of other things. Sold for half a million. And the reason it only sold for half a million dollars is, A, it was a repossession, and B, even though it comes with all that history, uh, it's in the wrong part of town. The estate agent said, he said, "I'll, I'll tell you, why it's so cheap, he said, but I don't want to be named. He said, because it, unfortunately, Liberace was not bright when it came to buying property. He bought property in run-down areas, which became even more run-down. So he then shoved all his furniture into these places, different furniture for each house. When he died, you know, they found it very difficult to sell these, these properties. One opened up as a museum briefly and then closed because the neighbours complained. There's still interest. Isn't it funny? There's still interest in Liberace after all this, after all this time. And the house has just been bought half a million pounds and the guy's hoping to, you know, put it all back together and try and find some of the furniture. Although I think you could probably put anything in it. As long as it looked tacky and cheap, it, it kind of worked for, for Liberace. So I'm, I'm quite good enough. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, uh, quite into the fact that we can get free 4G internet. If that's what three are going to be offering, there's going to be lots of people listening going, I wouldn't mind actually uh, transferring. There's a, another man here. This is, uh, this is a, a man who unfortunately has been uh, stalking a lady. He became obsessed with winning her heart. Uh, he's 75 and he's now been found guilty of stalking. He's been ordered to pay a £300 fine. He's got a restraining order. Because if you become obsessed with somebody, that's, that's, the, that's when it, it turns nasty, doesn't it? And so he met her um, in, a, in a church. And so consequently, he has a, he has a collection of, of yachts, apparently. Uh, unrequited love then turned obsessive. And then when he gets obsessive, it then becomes a little bit frightening. 
So Colin Hodgson became infatuated. He thought he was helping, but she didn't want help. He's a very lonely man, he doesn't have any family, and he obviously thought she was the one, and that's, that must be the hardship, mustn't it, really? When you're in that situation, you see somebody, and then they're, they're, they're not really interested. They just want you as a friend. They don't actually want you as, as anything else. Uh, more on this lady who we featured on the programme yesterday on LBC 97.3. And it's, uh, it's the lady who claimed, Miss Johansson, who claimed that she was auditioned to become Mrs Tom Cruise. And, and the Scientologists are saying this is absolutely ridiculous. And she was quizzed, they say, about gay sex. A Scientology spokesman said, as we reported yesterday on the programme, there was no project, secret or otherwise, ever conducted by the church to find a bride via audition or otherwise for any member. And that's, and that's where they actually put an end to it. But uh, she's standing by her story to say she was auditioned for Tom Cruise. He doesn't have much luck in love, does he, poor old Tom Cruise? He's got that strange child daughter, Suri, who's a little bit precocious. And I think that's probably putting it quite uh, quite mildly. Actually, I'm delighted to, to report in the paper today that still holding hands after 72 years, it's Dickie Attenborough and his wife. Dickie Attenborough, he celebrates his 90th birthday today. Uh, Dickie, not very well, but with Lady Attenborough. I think they're, uh, they're in a specialist charity care home uh, in West London. They're not in Brinsworth, are they? Is Dickie Attenborough in Brinsworth? I don't know. My friend's at Brinsworth. I mean, they're normally very discreet there. They're very, they're very good at sort of... They don't like to tell you who's actually in there at the time. I thought they were in another place, actually. But apparently they're in West London, so they're definitely out my, my neck of the woods. Um, 72 years ago... They sort of held hands, and here they are, 72 years on, Dickie Attenborough and his wife. As I say, I know that they both don't have um, good health, but we wish him a very, very happy birthday. A very, very happy birthday. Uh, his house has just sold in Richmond. I think it went for something like £11 million. It needed a lot of work doing to it, because I don't think they'd done anything for, for ages and ages. Uh, apparently, in the USA... We have fast food restaurants that sell fish and French fries, chips. No, see, I'm sorry, French fries are not chips. No, French fries are French fries. They're those pathetic little things that don't hold enough potato to feed a marmoset. I'm sorry, they're they're really small. No, a chip is a, you know, when you go to a fish and chip shop, not, you know, fish and French fries. It's like you go to, to, say, McDonald's and they have these sort of chicken pieces, which I think is processed, and they say with fries. They're not chips. They can't call them chips because they're not chips. Sometimes served with coleslaw. Oh, dear. Well, it's definitely not fish and chips. We wouldn't serve fish and chips with coleslaw. It sounds disgusting. Awful. And um, will your friend McGiffin win Celebrity Big Brother? No, I shouldn't think so. I think she'll pass out drunk before that uh, that ever happens. Uh, as, uh, somebody says here, I didn't mean to insult chips by calling them fries. I've never been to the UK. Well, it's an absolute outrage. I want a letter of apology from you, your parents, your grandparents and your school teacher. They're chips. French fries are what you Americans have, and we, we don't like those. They're just, that's the sort of thing you get in, in McDonald's. They are, they, are, they are French. They are Francais fries. We don't like anything froggy, do we? We don't want anything like that. And the very idea that the, that the French actually invented French fries, I wonder how that originated. I can't, I can't quite see the French who, who have a diet of fish and healthy things would eat chips or French fries. I wonder what the reasoning behind it was. Was it because there is more fat on French fries than there is on chips? They're more unhealthy for you because the smaller the thing, the more fat it absorbs. So if you have proper chips, that's actually better for you. Surprising though it may seem. You think, you know, bigger chip, more fat, but it doesn't work like that. French fries are absolutely dripping in grease. So there you go. 
Actually, there are lots of fish and chip shops who have uh, different names, don't they, outside. There's one in uh, America called a Sultan Battery. Thank you. They make you wince. It's, uh, fancy, so they do have fish and chip shops in America. I've never seen them when I've been there. I've never actually never seen that. I, d- I just don't imagine the Americans doing something like that. I don't know why. I just think it's something typically British, but it's, it's not, is it? Didn't it come from somewhere else, fish and chips? And somebody else invented it. Is it the Chinese again or something? Very good. Ian says, if you're ever up my way, Luton. <laughs> you're not joking, of course. Luton. Good grief. Every day I'm up in Luton. He says, the Wigmore Fish and Chips voted best chippy in Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire, Buckinghamshire. Great staff and queues every day. Well, there you go. That's, you've, you've killed it stone dead for me. The word queue. I don't queue for fish and chips. I walk in there. The place empties. I'm a bit like Lady Gaga. You serve me now. Is it very fancy? Oh, there's one in Islington. What, the same one? Oh, right, different one, but it's a posh fish and chip shop. I wouldn't want to queue for anything. I don't even like queuing for restaurants. And fish and chip shops become fashionable. They go, ooh, this is very fashionable. It's only blooming fish and chips. It's only a piece of fish in the flour, in the batter, in, in the hot, and that's done. But it depends what oil they cook it in, doesn't it? Are they cooking it in oil or in lard? We used to go to a place on uh, in the East End... Uh, I can't remember which road it was, actually, in the East End. It might have been Commercial Road. And they had a Jewish fish and chip shop. Open on a Sunday. Oh, it was the best. Curry sauce is a very common thing to put on chips, I'm afraid. That's, uh, that's very... And mus- mushy peas, that's, that's northern and common. And gravy. Sorry, chips in gravy. I mean, that's, that's, that's your worst nightmare, isn't it? Uh, do you want, I remember going up to... I, I was in Manchesterford, I believe, some many, many years ago. Managed to go up there and uh, got my passport sorted. And uh, go there and, uh, and I, I ordered some chips. Do you want gravy with that? And I looked at it and I went, I don't think so, no. I always, I always sort, of, sort of do a rhetorical answer. I think it's quite funny, actually. I don't think I want gravy, no. Why would you want gravy on your chips? Why would you ever want anything like that? I couldn't think of anything worse. It sounded disgusting. You know, I, I, I like crispy chips. I don't want soggy chips. And wouldn't the gravy just sort of, sort of soak down through the, through the paper? If I visit my mum, says a producer in Stoke-on-Trent, they ask if I want gravy, and I'm really perturbed when I say no. It, it's not, not as if I'm weird or anything like that. Perhaps they're so used to people having gravy on chips. I mean, I, I don't know, because whenever we've had fish and chips at home, when my mum used to do fish and chips, we never had gravy on them at all. You might have had a bit of tartar sauce, as we said earlier on, and a little bit, or a bit of mayo or something like that, or a bit of ketchup. But gravy? I don't think. And curry sauce. You get that in the markets. Chips and curry... Sorry to interfere with your digestive systems this morning, but it sounds absolutely awful, doesn't it? Sounds awful. I'm a creature of habit, so I'll not be changing my chippy order anytime soon. Well, those are my best bits from the week. I'll be back tomorrow morning, live at four, so I look forward to talking to you then. Don't forget, you can download all the podcasts from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk. And you can always follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next time, in conversation with the lovely Ruth Rendell and the even lovelier Alan Cumming. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But now we've got the latest news at six.